What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 37 of the MTG Untapped podcast, the universe's premier um, podcast where we talk about the game Splitgate, uh, which is Portal meets Halo. I'm just kidding. It's talking about Magic the Gathering. Uh, oh, I almost forgot to introduce the co-host. Um, he is the Deluvian to my primordial. He is Costa. How are you? Deluvian to my primordial. I had that card sitting on my desk, so I use that. Which one is that one again? Show it to me. The seven mana five five flying avatar that lets you uh cast something from your opponent's ah, your opponent's one. graveyard yeah 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 all right you, all right. G- you gave me that card <laughs> okay that's right <laughs> that, that was a recent cut from uh i've been building Lear, disciple of the drowned and uh that was a card i cut from the deck there but let's go ahead and phase in and talk about something that's not magic related uh you you could get off first i gotta i gotta set up something real quick while you talk about it what were we oh that's right we want to talk about nfl yeah stuff um my cowboys uh just raffle stomped those i was about to be such a child and be like those smelly philadelphia eagles uh i'm struggling to come up with coherent senses today apparently but yeah, Cowboys stomped the Eagles. That was always fun to watch. Uh, ha ha to all you Eagles fans out there. And my, uh, if we're going to stay in football, Longhorns dropped 70 on Texas Tech. So it was a good weekend for football. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. The The Razorbacks, I think they might be the real deal, but I don't know. If UT wants to take themselves seriously, they can't be, they can't be losing games like that. Uh, uh-huh, stuck at Aggies. That was fun. That was that was fun it's to watch. Too, not that good game. when your rival is as bad as you. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess this would make it. It makes it a rivalry, but I think if you want to separate yourself, yeah. Longhorns lost them on the road at night. And like even Arkansas, they hate Texas more than they hate the Aggies. If everyone's being one hundred with it, why is that? Because it's like it's like the older thing, like from way before either of us were born, like. Arkansas was like, because they don't have that like in-state thing. Mm-hmm. Like obviously for Texas, OU, the Sooners are rival number one. Then it's Texas A&M. It's only because of conference, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Oh no! It's Texas and OU been like this, even when they weren't in the same conference. Because hmm. um, they've only been in the same conference since the Big Twelve was formed. Because Texas used to be Southwest Conference and OU is in the Big Eight. Yeah, I refer. So, I defer to you for all this. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Arkansas was in the old Southwest Conference, so they were, Texas and Arkansas were also uh, conference rivals. But also because Arkansas, they don't have that like in-state like rival, so they have to look elsewhere for their primary uh, target for animosity. Because mm. that's what something that all college football fans have is that inner animosity they just let loose on game day. And so I think that ended up being like Texas. There's like stories like from people like. Like if you had like a Texas shirt on, you went to like an Arkansas game and uh, you'd stop at a gas station to fill up for gas is like before, like you had to like have the person fill up the gas for you. They would refuse to serve you if you had Texas, even if you had like Texas license plates, apparently. Really? I didn't know that. Hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm a bit, I'm a football guy, but uh, I don't know. I've never gotten big into rivalries. Like it just is like a little backstory on top of what you're doing here. Um, so I'm a huge Boston Celtics fan. I may have may have not said that because we always talk about the Patriots, but huge Boston Celtics fan. And every time I see a Lakers fan, they're kind of looking me up and down, um, mostly because I wear like all Celtic uh, face coverings all the time or whatever. And so at first I'm like, why are they looking at me? And let's see the Lakers shirt. I'm like, oh, that's right. And they're like, yeah, I thought you were going to help me out. I was like, why? Because you're, you're a Boston fan and I'm a Lakers fan. I'm like, I actually like the rivalry between the two because I miss that old school like combative like actually having an opponent to look forward to but it's not in the way that like i hate the opponent i'm just like i look forward to playing that opponent so i don't have a different take on on rivalries altogether but Uh, texas ou is next week and then i'll that's saturday morning i'm I'm gonna be worthless i'm just gonna be like (laughs) yes because you're so accessible on saturdays beyond those games no it's like i'm not gonna be able to like think about like during the game Cause luckily it's a, it's almost always like an 11 a.m. kick now. Mm-hmm. Like during the game, I'm just like, I can't, 
I'm not, I don't want to think about anything else. Like normally I've been going to the gym in the mornings before the games really get going. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I'm going to work out that morning. I'm saying like, cause it's also like the, cause you just, you don't want to lose. You just don't want to lose. And it's just like the anxiety is going to cripple me. I don't know, but <laughs> what did you want to talk about? I was just talking about Pick'em league, man. Uh, two weeks in a row. Now I have had the second highest points for the week. And so how this Pick'em league works is it's a $60 buy-in every week. It pays out. $60 to the first, the person who has the most points for that week. And so, I mean, if you were, it's never happened, but if someone won every week, what is it? 17 weeks times 60. So what's 600 uh, plus another 42. So like a thousand twenty dollars right? Uh, you could potentially win just from winning every week. Of course that never happens, but two weeks in a row now I've been number two and, uh, the first week freaking Seattle. I think I said this last week, but freaking Seattle, man, just losing, uh, to, uh, who was it? Oh God. It was, uh, Tennessee Titans. They they got, they got come back on. And then the week, uh, last week was, uh, Kansas city, man. uh, I I can't believe that. Uh, is it, you just pick straight up or are you picking against the spread or how is it? So what happens is you have um, it's based on the amount of teams that are playing each week. So uh, the first couple of weeks, right? There's no bye weeks, and so there's 17 points. Um, so actually, how it works is there's 17 games, right? And you have 17 points, 16 points, 15, and etc. And so you put a confidence level. Uh, or um, the amount of points that you think uh, when you're making your pick. So like, let's say like, here, here's a, here's a good example. So on week two, I had the Texans versus the Browns. The, the polls had it at 97% of the Browns would win against the Texans. I actually said the Texans would win, but I only had a confidence point of one on there. So I only lost a point hedging on maybe they'll upset them or whatever. Whereas Seattle bit me in the bum i got that one wrong too against the titans but i had 12 points and so that 12 points made a huge difference in the overall amount of points i could earn in a game so anyways that was just a little tidbit there um football's been pretty fun so far so you mean 16 games though right because there's 32 teams oh excuse me i said 16 yeah yeah. sorry 17 16 i think it's 17 weeks that's why all right, so this week I'm very confident the Bengals will win. Uh, actually, actually tonight as of day of recording. Oh, actually, hold on, hold on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna while you're saying that, I'm gonna see how we stack up against each other. So good. So you got the Bengals versus the Jags. All right, Bengals. Bengals win. Urban Meyer's been a joke in the NFL. I never thought he was gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Jets are horrendous. So Titans. If you're gonna put a confidence on that one, I'd probably have. More, I'd, yeah, Titans are gonna stomp the Jets. I put 16. I maxed it out there. Uh. Chiefs will beat the Eagles. They can't be. They can't stop Dak. They're going to stop Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Cowboys and Panthers. Uh, Actually, going, uh, I'm going to. I think McCaffrey's I think, out. All right, McCaffrey's out, and Dak just looks like he's really taking it to another level. I put 14 Mike, points on them. I, Micah Parsons has been really good. Uh, my brother and I, who were like super into the draft, both big Cowboys fans, we weren't really happy when they took Parsons, but he's been really good. Um, <laughs> Giants suck too. Saints, oh, a lot, of, a lot of like uninteresting games. Apparently, actually, I think the Saints and the Giants game is going to be interesting. Um, I don't expect a blowout there, even though they have it at ninety eight percent. Uh, they have, the Giants are so bad, Costa. They are bad, but the thing is, they they're so bad, and they just have this reputation of there's that one game where they'll come out and play and. There's no rhyme or reason. They just come out and beat my Patriots in the Super Bowl. So it is what it is. I, I respect the Jets enough because I've lost them in the Super Bowl enough. I also have Browns over the Vikings. Uh, Bears and Lions. I actually have Vikings over the Browns there. That's a, a lot of people think Zimmer's going to be done after this season. They just don't look very good. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. That's probably one of the closer matchups we've seen so far. Here. Um Bears and Lions is kind of funny because both teams suck so bad. I'll play the Lions, even though the Bears are favored barely. (laughs) Here, I got two for you, just so we can get to the next part. So the two big games, Cardinals versus the Rams. I haven't actually. Hmm. I think I'll go Rams. 
because I have more confidence in McVeigh and Stafford than Murray and the guy who got fired at Texas Tech. Now, I was like, made no because like I know he was an Aggie and a Sooner. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray was, but that dude has the most ridiculous like feet for a court. It's like somebody literally said like, all right, if Barry Sanders played quarterback, I was like, that's so accurate. Yeah. And so, so Kyler Murray is really good. I think he's covering up a lot for um, the deficiencies of the Kingsbury, but I think the Rams as a whole, especially after they beat your boy last week, I'll go and it's, and it's in LA. It's in LA, which is really the kicker for me because I, I wavered really hard on that one. I think I think the Rams though can still suffer their first loss against the Cardinals, but I did pick the Rams. Second game, Broncos versus the Ravens. It's so funny the Broncos are three and zero. Teddy I, Bridgewater, I actually don't. It. I was about to say I don't think it's uh, that crazy. I think Teddy Bridgewater is highly underrated. I think his injuries. I mean, that poor dude has been riddled with injuries in his career. And I think that guy is. I think he's a real deal. I, and I think this will be another big test for him against the Ravens. I, I'll t- I'll still take the Ravens. I got the Broncos here, but that's a two on the confidence level. So, and I guess right now. Uh, I think I'll take uh, the Chargers over the Raiders on Monday Night Football. I have that as well. And then oh, we might as well just end on this one. Um, Bucks the Sunday the night game, the 2-0 and Buccaneers against the 1-2 and Patriots. Yep. Taking your boy or, or your squad. Uh, I want my squad to win, but I think I think Tom Brady is going to win this. I think there is a slight – so this is going to be very interesting. Bill Belichick and Brady have played forever, right? I mean, this is the, the most winning – tandem of coach quarterback mm-hmm. whatever it's very it's going to be very interesting to see very interesting to see if belichick pulls out you know some rabbit out of the hat shenanigans and actually gets brady I, i'm going to be very curious to see first of all if he has anything and second of all if the team can execute it well enough and that's about the only way the patriots are going to win he's going to have some weird thing that no one else knows about tom brady that he's got a mm. small cucumber or whatever and it's going to you know ruin him so <laughs> uh, I'm I, I these Buccaneers are gonna smash them. I mean, it's one bad. one uh, in the NFL is quarterbacks over coaches. I feel like there's one thing we've learned since Brady left the Patriots mm-hmm. is that he really is the goat, and that he was much more of a driving force than Belichick in his defenses. And I don't think I'm not a big fan of old Mac Jones going against that Buccaneers defense. That's even more scary. Um, anyone who's taken statistics knows that uh, you know correlation is not causation, and so just because Brady left has done more success than than Bill he won Belichick. the Super Bowl. <laughs> he did. He did. I'm not taking anything away from Brady. He's the goat. He's my dude. It's all good. I'm just saying that it, it's kind of the same argument I will make with LeBron James, and everyone's going to call me a LeBron James hater. I really don't give a damn, but. He had to go to Miami in order to win. He had to get his first championship in order to get his next one. And all I'm saying is Bill might have started something for Tom, Tom that innately had, but Bill contributed to that in some way. How much, you know, we can argue about that here and there, but uh, like I said, this game will, will, will kind of, I mean, like I said, if they lose, it's going to, it's going to be a little testament to Bill Belichick's careers. And I think that's, a, that's what's on the line here for this game. So I'll, I'll, I'll give the bucks. I'll give you that. If there's one game, Bill Belichick doesn't want to lose. It's this, it's this one. one. Yeah. All right. That was a fun 13, 14 minutes of football talk of phasing uh, in. Yeah. The phasing. In. All right. Let's move on to the untapped set. We're talking about magic that we played over the last week and we got to do a 10 person paper Innistrad Midnight Hunt draft on Friday. So good. And uh, so I'll I'll detail my experience first because I believe my drafting was a hoot for those in the my corner of the table. So my first pick was a uh, Tovalar, the red green werewolf lord legend commander. Uh, as soon as I drafted, I asked if we were allowed to play with the commander, and uh, I was told no. But then uh, I ended up getting a few more. The Fangblade, uh, what's it, Inviscerator? Is that what it's called? The four mana, three, four? Uh, Fangblade and something. Fangblade something, yeah. Brigand. And then on the back side yeah, is Fangblade Inviscerator. And so, and then my first three picks were all werewolves. I mean, it's just like, all right, we're just staying on theme. And 
so I just went all in on werewolves to the point where uh, Costa was sitting on my right and he's like, he like, passed me a pack and he's like, well, lucky you. And there was um, Moon Ranger slash Nightning Bolt. So I was like, ooh, immediately scoop that up. And I passed the pack along and a uh, friend of the podcast, he was on last week, Tree was sitting to my left and he's like, why did you pass this? It was because like, he obviously he knew I was in red because I had three red cards that was like, don't look at my pile because I have all these cards that have backsides on them and he's like why'd you pass this there was a cathartic pyre in that pack i didn't even look at i was like moon ranger slash it's on theme it's good removal let's go and uh and then he so we're like you talked about when we draft it's not the most formal of events and so you're like why did you pass the cathartic pyre i was like it was on theme uh so eventually i went all in i ended up not running a couple cards um no, I probably should have run like Dawnheart Rejuvenator or uh, Shadow Beast Siding. Just really good, like top green commons in the set. Uh, just because they weren't werewolves. And I was, I was, able, I felt like I got really enough playables in terms of the werewolf slot. Yeah, you and had all the playables. <laughs> deck was, deck was sick. I, I got both the uncommon, uh, the sorcery with flashback that gives it plus one plus one and trample. And if it connects, it gets to draw a card. And the Kessig, what's his name? The uncommon werewolf that on his when he flips he's a lord. Uh, yeah, when he flips, he's a lord for your werewolves. And games are all right. Uh, uh, curb stomp a dude in round one. Round two, uh, I had a punt that cost me the game. I was very upset about it afterwards. And uh, and then the last round, I uh, played a kid who's just learning the game. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to all right, be mowing that. It's like, all right. It's good. New people are coming and learning the game. So all in all, uh, my most, the most fun I had was just drafting the deck just because I kept screaming. It's on theme. It's on theme over and over and over again to yeah, the detriment of the table. You definitely, uh, if anyone's going to be in the werewolf seat, it had to be you that last week for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, same thing, uh, on theme with, the draft of last week i ended up in green white i forgot what my first pick was but i'm pretty sure it was uh something that was not on color and then immediately got past like all the green white cards um so i ended up with uh three dawn heart wardens uh that's one green to white for three three vigilance and it's coven uh anthems like one oh until in turn for the rest of my creatures so it's like super strong um, had a really great curve. I had a ton of two drops. Um, and then I was convinced into splashing my second or third pack pick one Liza forgotten archangel, just because I had, um, actually it's funny enough. I only had like two pieces of, of fixing, but that's really all you needed. Um, I find that path to the festival is like a great mana fix, uh, in this format because it does it twice, which is really awesome. Um, unless of course your opponent like exiles it out of your yard, but it's really good. And then I had one, uh, Don Hart rejuvenator. So the deck played out really well. I just happened to lose to arguably the best archetype in the format. Um, actually it's a combination of two because Henry was one running Esper, um, all the disturb, all the zombie stuff, all the best combat tricks and removal. So his deck was just like, I could not stop it. Like my, cause he, and he was kind of wondering at first, he's like, he's, you're going to beat me. I was like, I don't think so. Cause you get to just replay your cards and I have to like trade them off essentially to get through damage. And that's basically what happened. Like I could get him down to, you know, like two life or something, but he would stabilize by, you know, just rebuilding his board that we got to disturb and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I also had a great time with the draft. I, I mean, I'm liking the draft experience. I am noticing that, um, it's kind of funny because, you know, a lot of people complain about like the Ravnica sets being on tracks and whatnot. I feel like this actually has some tracks to it too, just in a different way. It's not that you can't pl have a playable deck outside of what you're doing, but it's almost like not worth running your deck if you don't have some of the best cards in your colors. So, but uh, yeah, that's uh, my untapped story there. So I guess we might as well, because I don't think we actually gave a grade at the end of last week's because because we were running for almost two hours. Mm -hmm. um, so you said you generally like the format so far. Mm -hmm. uh, if you had to put a grade on it. Hmm. 
unboxed. How many weeks in are we? Like two, three weeks in now? <sighs> Seems like six, seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Right now, I'm looking at like uh, I always forget what our our thing is because we're we're trying not to be. Just give it a just give it a letter grade. Just give it a letter grade. I think we give it a B right now. I, I think it's a it's a B to B plus. Um, and I see that going down. But, you know, I think a, a few more paper drafts will help me determine that. So for me, just a, as a refresh, I guess I gave AFR an A plus. Mm-hmm. I gave call. I gave call Hyman a and strict saving was like a C minus to a D for me. Just because really? like, it was like it was like a rabbit because I felt like it was like on rails. I feel like for this one, just because like when all 10 color pairs are represented, it's like there's the themes are very strong. So it's like, I only got, cause I, I was on werewolves and you were in green next to me, but mm-hmm. we were going after different things. Right. And I was also in tree was next across from me on red and he ran and I'm going, uh, cause he had three thermo alchemists. So he was on like blue red spells. Right. So he was also on red, but we were taking different things. And the player so, across from me was also in green white, which was kind of funny too. But so, I enjoy it more than Strixhaven. I think you were right. I think I'd be closer to B minus though hmm. for this because I, I still have fun. It's not like we're Strixhaven where I just like, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just not having fun. Like even just playing it on Arena, right? Um, so I'll continue to play it, but it's just um, it's not. It, I'd say it's the third so far of the standard sets we've gotten this year. My win rate is definitely down. That's for sure. I mean, I've sent you all my drafts and what am I averaging? Like three and a half wins, four wins, something around there compared to, you know, a seven win every second draft or third draft or whatever. So I, I was going to say that like my first two drafts of this, I went like six wins, seven wins. It was like one, one, two, mm. four, one. And then now it's usually like between, I usually get like, four two to four wins basically I don't, I don't think i've had a even a five or six win in a while yeah it's um well let's uh let's go ahead and get into the 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 draft topic because i do have some some things to point out i think um that'll kind of help the listeners uh, you know improve their drafting especially in this set um you ready to move on sure i mean we're already doing that basically right now fair anyway. enough fair enough fair enough so I guess with a couple of things that you want to keep in mind is, you know, how we approach the AFR draft. I think after we discovered, you know, what the strongest colors were and whatnot, it was correct to be in those colors. And it didn't really matter necessarily the cards you had, even though I talked up thieves tools quite a bit, um, you know, which I was kind of funny. I went ahead and listened to, to limited resources and uh, they were just like super down on the card. So, uh, they definitely have some knowledge for, I mean, some knowledge what I'm talking about. I, I used to listen to them to, to, to draft. I mean, they are arguably the, the Kings, uh, you know, of drafting or whatever, but I think sometimes their language is what throws me off because, you know, talking about this format, um, there was a card that they were, that they were referring to. Um, I don't remember which card it was, but they almost made it sound like it was unplayable. And I don't think that's what they're really trying to say, but I think sometimes how LSV is, he's very like condescending. And I think we both kind of complain about that. It's almost like, I know it comes off condescending to me. It almost comes off like you shouldn't play this card. When in fact, he's not really saying that he's just so high on the point he's trying to make that he just kind of puts everything else down. But anyways, going back to what I was saying in the beginning about, being in the colors that kind of guided you enough to get you enough wins where in this format, what I've found is you have to be really disciplined. Um, so they're talking about blue black being the, the best deck um, or even blue white or whatever. And the cards that you are passing up to enter into this blue black deck. I mean, like we're talking about like, um, a startle and I mean, startle actually might not be a card in there, but what's the bird that you like the abomination, the two, two Falcon abomination. Yeah. So I think typically I would pick moon ranger slash cathartic pyre play with fire. All three of those cards I would pick over the Falcon abomination. Pack one, pick one, pack one, pick one. Yeah, for sure. But 
I think they're on the the notion that they would actually just take the abomination over this card. And what I noticed you saw me drafting before is I just wanted to I want to test it out since I just you know was listening to them. I was like, let me do this. I'll pass up cards that I know are super strong and just get into this deck. And sure enough, you saw the first game, just the first game, and it's on my wife's account and it's in bronze. So take it with a grain of salt. But that deck played so much better than something where if I had Moon Ranger Slash or, or Play With Fire or whatever. And so I'm I'm starting to see that being disciplined and staying in the archetype, and this is what I'm talking about being on track, being on tracks here is like there are cards that you have to take over others, even though the other cards are really powerful. And so I think having that discipline is going to carry people through wins. Now, here's the thing: that's the the hidden knowledge, or not everyone is up to date with this yet. So once everyone else starts to understand this format, then you know, now you're competing for the same cards. Now as a, as a skill drafter, now you have to be able to navigate and see what colors are open and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, definitely this draft is kind of, it's kind of torn me up a little bit because especially like I said, coming off of all these wins from AFR um, I'm having to go back to like, you know, the basics again and figure out the format instead of just trying to continue to pull, you know, draft cards and draft power levels that I know are good, but they're just not winning as much as I'd like them to. So that's kind of my really long winded spiel um, for the draft environment. What about uh, any other approaches you've taken? I know you said you haven't been as um, successful, but anything you've noticed in here? More crut. More crap. More crap. <laughs> I still think that card's good. It's a seven six menace. I don't think it's bad. I, I, I just lost my mind. I mean, I, I made it into a bit last week, but I thought I've lost this card and I've won with this card so much in this format. Uh I don't know. I just maybe this is just me being not the magic hall of famer. Uh, <laughs> but um Format seems fine. Just like I was, I put a premium on removal. That's why I take like slash or because you don't even know if the the pool of cards you're drafting from is going to be viable for whatever archetype. So that's why it's like you don't draft archetypes. So that's like the first few picks. It's always like, all right, what's the just best card in the pack? Unless there's some like really strong synergy between like pick two or three with my first or second pick, basically. And so I just like the first, just pick, take whatever you think is the best card in the pack. So and then, are, oh, and then let it, then, then you'll start to see what's open, what colors you're getting past. And then you'll say, all right, what archetype? Cause I usually don't try to determine like a second color or whatever until like towards the end of pack one. Cause then it's, that's when it's all right. Something's really open, but except for uh, the last draft I did where uh, I then actually got to play with, what's the name of that card? Grizzly zombie bear giant. Grizzly ghoul. Grizzly ghoul. I actually got to play that. So I pack one, picked one that. Mm-hmm. Also, because it's, it's it's very it's probably the strongest of like the signpost uncommons, um, and I just like forced black green. There was a three win draft, but just take. I was like most don't. I feel like sometimes it might get overcomplicated, and just like just get experience and take the best cards early on, and then see what happens. I still think that's the best approach to to any draft, and which is why I think we are above rates when it comes to our our draft pool or the people we draft with. I'm not getting, not knocking any of those guys. I mean, you know, like people like Shaver, you know, Jason. These guys are are great at drafting, um, and they kind of follow the same heuristics of you know, kind of. Well, maybe not Shaver. Shaver likes to do some crazy stuff, but definitely, <laughs> definitely Jason. You know, he's. Uh, he definitely looks for the strongest things. I'll also notice actually, he's just a blue, red, blue, or sorry, a red, blue, red, green player. Uh, so I think he's actually an aggressive player. Whereas Donnell kind of says, you know, he thinks I'm aggressive, but doesn't really know. Um, just a disclaimer. LSV did say at the end of their podcast that he's not telling you to force the colors, but the argument that they're making against what we're saying is there are actually just enough colors and blue black or there are enough commons, excuse me, and blue mm-hmm. black that you don't have to know what's in your packs to know that you're going to hit these cards. Um, and, and to be fair, when I did the draft, um, things like a diagraph horde or whatever, the three, four for five, that makes two mm-hmm. zombies on ETB. Card um, type. 
card is very strong. I got I wheeled two of those. Um when I was in blue black because I took the the I took some things over it. Um I, I think I had to choose between curves. So I, there was like an ecstatic uh Awakener. Awakener in there, right? And uh so I needed some curve fillers. But I ended up wheeling two of them and uh and which was very surprising to me. And I don't know if it's because no one else was in my archetype or because he's right, there are a plethora of these cards out there, right? So um it'll be something to look look at as we go forward with the format. I don't think it's solved uh, again. I've made that spiel before. Um, but I, I, I'm starting to wonder if you're just going to have to know what cards are clear signs that it's open or, okay, it doesn't matter if it's open or not. You have to, if you're going to be in this color set, you have to get these cards because otherwise it's not worth doing anything else. So um, time will tell from there. Um, let's see. How do you feel about the, the uncommons that we talked about last week? Do you still, uh, we obviously in a couple of weeks we'll have, uh, we'll, we'll run it back or run it back segment for our little game of the primer cards that we chose in our top five and top three, but any uncommons that stuck out or any of them that they, they panned out the way you've been describing them or. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I lost to a turn one Delver. Like yeah. I immediately, um, <laughs> but I don't. I still don't, that wouldn't crack the top blue in comments. I don't think. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of Lunar Frenzy. Even if it's just like single red mana. Give your creature first strike. It's, mm. it's all right. Um, I'm still not big on Seize the Storm. It fell for uh, me. It's it's definitely at the third spot currently, and it, it, we'll just see how much it plays out, but. Um, yeah, the season storm, unfortunately is just getting the problem is if you're in a season storm deck, then you're not affecting the board enough. And unless you're super lucky and are getting things like the thermal alchemist and, and all these other cards that support really well. Um, I had a red blue deck that unfortunately, it, you know, I think it made it maybe had one ma- moon ranger slash mm-hmm. and then it had all these festival crashers and stuff. And it just wasn't as strong compared to like the other blue reds mm-hmm. where it's like, mm-hmm. I have the best commons and uncommons. Um, it's, the, it's the one you hope wheels. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't take it early on. It's like, all right, I'm going to do this just cause then it's like, you really like not very, yeah. And then it, the odds are greater that you'll have a worse deck. I don't I'm, have a lot of changes from last week, though. I am of the opinion that I think it actually still is very good in red green, though. I think that's something that people don't realize that there's enough green spells that affect. If they're not affecting the board, um, they are progressing you towards the late game. But here's the thing: Rise of the Ants. You saw my deck with three of them. Um, <laughs> like that card affects the board and it's a spell. And so when you're replaying all these, you know, token things or whatever, it's a very strong card. So. Um, yeah, I think the only thing is Samson was right. I think Sunset Revelry. It's not that it didn't. I've really haven't gotten blown out by that card. It's really still never been dead in my hand. It just, I think where the formats are heading, it's just not doing enough. Unfortunately, like gaining that four life is almost irrelevant when you're facing down siege zombies um, that are you know pinging you every turn. Like it added a turn to half a turn, maybe sometimes if you get the four life off. So. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely revisit the list though. Um, hopefully, we can get some more wins. Hopefully, you'll show up Friday. You know, get another paper draft under your belt. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to this week's uh, main topic, and that is good old standard. So, a few weeks ago, we offered our thoughts on um, what we think it might look like whenever rotation happened. We didn't have the full set. So we just looked at the standard 2022 meta and then it's like, all right, do we see, can we see this sticking around moving forward? And, but now we actually have midnight hunt rotation has happened. So now we're going to look at the decks we've been seeing and also look at this little meta game breakdown that we have uh, stolen from mtgazone.com. And it's kind of nifty that they, they have it broken down into best of one and best of three. Because there's one thing that uh, Coast also knows of me is I have an irrational hate of sideboards. Yeah, it's super weird. I think just because you don't know how to sideboard, but yeah, I digress. So. I got. I I think I, I tried like best of three early on, and it's just like now my opponent's deck is just better against my deck, and now this game is just annoying me. Um, 
But either way, so I jam a lot of best of one and you just get through the games a lot faster. But uh, so that's where the 99% of my experience exists. And it's kind of interesting to see the differences between best of one and best of three. Because also with the learn mechanic from Strixhaven, Mm -hmm. uh, you're still able to utilize your sideboard in best of one, sneaking in some lessons into your deck. So um, let's just just, just get the elephant in the room out of the way. Um, Green is dominating. (laughs) Uh, People, there's other podcasts that talk about it. But the combination of stuff like Ranger's Class, uh, Asika's Chariot, Cat Car, Vroom Vroom, uh, and good old, your uh, first pick in that old stupid fantasy draft thing we did, Ren and Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are like the cards that are just like in the shell for like most green decks. We'll even like Asika's Chariot and Ren and Seven will be running like more big mana control decks. Yeah. Uh, maybe not necessarily Ranger Class, but Mono Green Aggro is a big thing in both best of one and best of three all starting stuff like old growth troll and the uh, werewolf pack leader. Some of you run stuff like Jespera Sentinel. So some people are saying, is this an issue? Just because a lot of the decks you'll see uh, we'll talk about is like green X. Cause there's like, it's like there's like green red that has like red and seven, a Seekers chariot, but it's also running stuff like gold span dragon. And uh, was it reckless storm weaver? Mm-hmm. so there's like stuff like that and then there's also blue green that has a Seekers chariot and ren and seven makes tokens also then it jams alrin's epiphanies and some like control spells to control the game going in the early and then they take Coma. extra turns Coma. yeah comas and then they take extra turns copy these uh giant tree folk tokens and eventually just went out that way there's also uh green white um so it runs a everyone's favorite elemental pig uh your sharn and stuff like the other like whitey control stuff like really strong mid-range cards like elite spell binder has the new really good new removal spell and fateful absence and stuff like that so green is just like everywhere on the meta i, I find you only there's like green black deck but it's, just not, it's not really very popular it's not very popular, but um, Jason actually suggested I should run it because he knows I like. I mean, I like all the colors, but um, I do. It's kind of funny how I do gravitate towards green, black, and standard for some reason. Um, and having again the run and six cat car combo, um, and then blood in the snow. So just mm-hmm. being able to recur, you know my you know, Ren or the card that I really want to play with Lolf. And he knows I want to play with that card. That's why he was telling me to do that um, is really great. So um, yeah, I uh, green is definitely, I mean, it's everywhere. Let me ask you this though. We talked about dominating, but do you really feel like it's dominating or do you just think it's prevalent and popular? Cause I'm not, I, I feel like domination attributes more towards how often the decks win and i feel like i've played against them but i've also beaten them so i'll say that's kind of hard because like mathematically in terms of like saturation of how much green is out there Mm -hmm. it is dominating because like it's like okay they don't their win percentage isn't like at a like toxic level Mm -hmm. but it's also losing to like other green decks Mm mm-hmm so like there's like well let's just hop in and talk about a couple of the other like non-green decks. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff like uh uh black white, there's like kind of angely something, but like the actual like dedicated angels deck isn't really as great as it was in Stan 2022. That makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Uh there's like certain like uh treasure-based uh Rakdos and like mono black style decks, like Skullport Merchants and the uh, Shambling Ghouls. Uh, there's, but the probably the biggest non-green deck is just straight mono white aggro. Okay. Which, unless it, at that point, because I, mean, I play best of one, it's like, all right, who won the die roll? And because the deck I've been jamming the most since rotation happened has been mono green mid range, which I splashed out some of the earlier stuff to inc- include like prosperous innkeepers, lotus cobras to try and get me to my like cat cars on turn three. My red and sevens on turn four, that kind of thing. 
but I feel like most of the time I feel strong about my matchups against like stuff like mono white, white, black. Um, I found also there's like the, the weird party deck, which I don't understand. I think uh, people just want to play party. I think people were excited. I was actually excited for it after, even though I didn't know nothing about D and D I was just like, I kind of want to make this happen. Um, I get what you're saying. I, um, I mean, mono white and mono red are not viable in this environment because of the value that you get from your green cards. So your cat car making two bodies, your red and seven making a huge body, um, and subsequently gaining you life because then you have to attack the Ren down or whatever. Uh, I still don't know. I like, I'm not, I'm not convinced I've been playing Orzov. Um, of course we just had a restart for <laughs> our, um, season. So I have to, I have to get back into it, but I progressed through, um, what should I call it? Uh, what's after platinum? Is it diamond? Diamonds after platinum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I progressed through, got to diamond, um, and then stopped. And so I don't know, like I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think right now, just the popularity of, of the green cards. I know people, a lot of people were ready to play werewolves. So I know that played a lot into it. Um, and I think it's easy to play green because a lot of these cards you already owned in your collection for arena. Now I don't know if this to be true or not, but I'm just kind of you know speculating here because mm-hmm there's a lot of good cards. I mean, the, it, there's a lot of powerful decks in the format. I think I just know people don't craft some of those cards sometimes and therefore they don't have access mm-hmm. to it. So, um, unless you draft like me and you, where you just, you know, by chance get the cards because you're drafting them. Um, I just have, I think that might play to it, but, uh, time will tell. I mean, you've been playing way more standard than I have, and I've been wanting to play it, but every time it's like standard or draft to complete dailies. I think I'll draft, so it's it's a little bit harder for me to get into it. I don't agree with mono white, according to this website, at least, is the number one. Now, is it mono? Is it well? Let's see what's in this. Let's just take a look since you're talking about it's it. Got, it's like, it's like four monk of the open hand, the one mana one. Whenever you cast your second spell, you have to put a plus one plus one counter on it. Really? Four usher of the fallen, four luminarch aspirant. Actually, this list I'm looking at, a lot of them run the four uh, one mana one one um, cleric. That if it is your second spell, you have to put a plus one plus one counter on something else, or or on anything or on, on itself. And it's like luminarch aspirant. Your your good uh, buddy, intrepid adversary, mm-hmm. and stuff like elite spell binder, skyclave apparition, uh, clarion spirits, because you're often double spelling, and so it's just like really very low to the ground, pump up some stuff, go wide and swing. That cries if you have a board wipe of any relevance. <laughs> yeah, we have no good boy to selfless savior to save him. Interesting. I haven't actually seen any mono white. I've seen like a white black version but i haven't seen any mono white black or sorry mono white hmm. okay but it's one saving grace in that scenario is also like most decks run for faceless haven mm-hmm. which is actually maybe faceless haven's a problem maybe that's just because that card's in like in every because like you'll run it in two color decks and you will would have noticed that we haven't mentioned a single three color well i guess party but i was almost in passing no there's no there's really mm-hmm. no three color and there's mm-hmm. like I mean, you can consider Splash as three colors, but it's like incidental in there, honestly. Uh, I actually forgot. Uh, one of the more popular uh, non-green decks is, is it Dragons? I'll, uh, yeah, so, that's, yeah. I'm trying to make it as a deck right now. Um, I, I haven't seen any Citrus Suppliers, and that's kind of why I wanted to make Red Bloom. But the other thing is Thing in the Egg is what I really want as well. And that's kind of what I'm hedging towards uh, for red blue, but I don't want to shelf the money for a dragons and paper. So I'll just play it online. Is it dragons? <laughs> good old goats paying dragon. Just keeps going up. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that card's really good. One of the big things it got from in a chart is like memory deluge, a strong instant speed. That card is really um, strong. basically first time. It's the best four mana draw, draw two spell because you look at the top four and pick any two of them. Then when you flash it back, it's just dig through time. Cost seven mana, but dig through time is just a very powerful effect. 
let's see what the list for that best of one is. Is it running eggs? I didn't even see it on here. The one I'm looking at does. I I, I have seen some eggs. Um, usually, uh, they just die to werewolf pack leader with uh, what's the one mana snow fight spell? Oh, uh, frostbite. Uh, no, uh, the fight spell in green, single mana. All on my blank. Oh, um, of course. Now you're making me blank on it. I know. Uh, Indomitable. No. No. Yeah, Blizzard um, Brawl. Blizzard Brawl, yeah. yeah. So you're, normally I'll just kill them immediately. Uh, but I don't think I, I, I kind of want to build. I kind of want to build it in on Arena and try it out. But I've been jamming just mono green most of the time, and I was actually got really salty because for some reason I just couldn't get the final win to get in the diamond. And so like today, day of recording, which is the thirtieth, so. It's the end of the month. It's like, all right, it's going to, the season ends tomorrow and starts the new one. And then it was, it was like 2 p.m. All right, season's over. I was like, what? You got, uh, I got, I got a new thing for me. I got pretty salty. <laughs> Shocker there. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Smoldering Egg, uh, I think is going to be more of a fun card than a dominating card. But what I was going to say is that with Memory Deluge, it's such a great combination because four mana, it, you know, adds four counters to it. And then if it's in the graveyard, it's seven mana, right? So to flash it back. So it just mm-hmm. automatically turns on the dragon, which is really awesome. So, but I've just been excited for that card period. I mean, I got EA, EA uh, versions of it and, you know, that's just how I roll. So, yeah, so let's see. So overall, what's your opinion of the standard environment? I know we've talked about green bean dominance. We've talked about uh, you know other decks that are breaking out. How do you see it as far as playability and uh, funability or in- entertainment value? Is it pretty high up there for you this this season? Yeah, I've been having fun just because like you don't. Play, it's not a bunch of mirror. Ma- like obviously there's a lot of green, mm-hmm. but it's not all right because the green there's like eight similar cards. There's Cat Car and Ren and Seven. Mm. But it's like, are, am I up against Goldspan Dragon this time? Or am I up against Alrin's Epiphany? Or uh, Big Pig Yasharn? Or Big whatever that <laughs> Am I playing the Mono White Act? So there's a, there's enough like Diversity. viable decks yeah. that it's fun. I'm also jamming Tovalar's Huntmasters because I said i would whenever we talked about that card and i misunderstood how it actually operates but one thing i was just wondering because like we're been ta- there's a, it's very creature heavy mm-hmm. and so but the only like one of the there's shadows verdict from zendikar and the, the other one sees meat hook massacre yeah and that which whenever i pop off with a scoot swarm that, that card feels bad um or in a for me, it's it's good message in the but it's bad for me. But one thing I was just wondering is like, because there's a lot, everything is like creature decks. Why well, we haven't we or I haven't seen a single like vanquish the horde, the new white board wipe that's like almost just two mana as wide as most of these decks are going. So I was actually kind of shocked about that. Wondering if there's untapped like control straight up control deck that. There's an Esper Hasn't broken through the meta. Around. No, there's one running around. Let me take a look and see if it's got it. Well, it says Azorius Control, but uh, Sorcery, right? Yeah. Behold. Hmm. That's really interesting. They're running Doomscar over Vanquish the Horde. I don't know. I can't really tell you why, because it's what? Nine mana to at full? It's five, it's five white white. Or is it? Wait, I, I have uh mythic spoiler up uh it's six white white so cost cool. one less for each creature on the battlefield yeah it's interesting i don't know why they're not but i you know i haven't seen boards flood enough either um i haven't played much standard dude so yeah. i'm really the wrong person I, I can't tell you i actually thought that car would be a lot better too especially if it's really creature dense i will say that like a seeker's chariot and then having um faceless haven and all the other man lands from afr probably have something to attribute to that because that's not much different than than doom scar obviously but i think those creatures right or not turning them on on your turn and therefore adding the extra mana is maybe a reason why because 
I know um, like the the blue one, um, Storm Sea of the Storm Gods or Hall, like, Hall of the Storm Giant. Yeah, Hall of the Storm God. Yeah, that one um, is really powerful because of the ward. I know that the green one is popular just because it's green. So you have, you know, mana to dump into it. Um, so maybe that's something to do with it. Um, Faithful Absence, since we're talking about control, what do you think about that card, man? I think that card's been really sweet, honestly, in this meta. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I was kind of shocked that I was up against a um, white black deck and I was like, okay, they're going to kill my creature. And I think it was like, it was a, well, the troll, old growth mm-hmm. troll. I was like, all right, this is going to eat a fate flap. And they cast Infernal Grasp. Hmm. And I was like, why would you put that one in your deck and not Fateful Absence? But, um, so I, the only like deck, like the mono white deck doesn't play a lot of removal. Like some of them just run portable hole just because they want to go super fast. Right. Uh, but, um, this is like another tool for a control shell. Hmm. Sorry. Right, so you said you've liked the diversity. You think it's pretty fun. Yeah, I think. Uh, what do you think about when we get something like Crimson Vow in here? Do you think? How do you like the power level overall? Is this is this where you think standard is safe? Because I I think it is. I think this is a pretty safe spot. I would actually like it one more tone down, just because I love combat tricks and stuff, and I, I haven't played a standard that has that kind of interaction in a long time. So. Um, you know, things like Alrun's Epiphany and even Asika's Chariot, if they were out of the format, I think I'd probably be at like, it'd be like the most optimal thing for what I enjoy. But uh, if they continue down this road, you think this is a pretty safe spot? Because, I mean, we've had diversity for sure. So it's obviously other decks are, are kind of breaking through. But is this the kind of magic you like to play when you're playing standard? I just I want more tools for red. Yeah. Because I like playing mono red. Uh, mainly just so I can burn through my dailies even faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just not really, there's mono red goblins, but that's just, that's a C tier deck. If there ever was one. Right. So that's one thing I want. I want more tools for the red decks. that can just go straight up, go under um, the green decks and especially the bigger mana green decks. Mm-hmm. Like mono white's good, but if it's on the play, I, it'll struggle and or how do I, I mean, the draw phrases yeah if it's on the draw it'll struggle and if it just doesn't have like the nut draw its ability to recover is just not good at all mm-hmm. whereas mono red you once always have access to like burn spells lightning bolt stuff like that right although there was one kind of or i, I don't know if it's on this actual bet, but there's one funny uh burn deck that you have like the the three mana burn spell that uh, learns. Oh yeah. And they were like, and they were like, try and play like copy spells on them. And I was like, all right, I'm a fan of you. This deck is hilarious. Going back to that, I I think I'll I'll wrap it up at least for my talking points for standard. Um, lesson learn. I, I believe I have made a mention on this podcast about it probably being very useful. Um, in standard rotation, should the power level go down, I think that's played out for the most part, at least from some of the lists that I've seen. Um, and actually I'm pretty glad that that's actually a thing. Cause um, what is it? Expedition mascot expedition, expedition, blah, 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 blah whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mascot um, exhibition, exhibition. Thank you. Um, cards like that are very powerful. And so I'm actually pretty happy to see that the lesson learn mechanic uh, is adding, especially in best of one, adding that extra dimension um, to the decks. Cause I love value. And so, what better than to play a card that gets me another card, right? Even if it's kind of underrate. So um, I look forward to kind of playing with that a little bit more. Um, I think I sent you a list of like a Bant list um, that uh, is blue. I think it's like Bant, right? So um, I'm looking to add like field research in there and then playing the exhibitions uh, or yeah, whatever it is. And um, so, yeah, I am I I think lesson learned might be the, the place to go. Um, as far as best of ones, like maybe being like the next thing to kind of uh, push decks. But the cool thing is, again, it just, it's like rock, paper, scissors right now. And, you know, this deck might be the best deck for a little bit, but then the other deck kind of supplants it. So, 
But that's actually really all I had to say for standard. Anything else you want to talk about, Micah, for standard? Why why did the season end at 2 p.m. Central time? I know. That's kind of that is kind of mind boggling. That's actually really. If I was in your shoes, I'd be really frustrated too. I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm I'm just I'm I'm Kosa. I am done. You're done. Done. Is it is it is it done? Quick pick times done. Yeah, I go for your quick picks. <laughs> All right. So for the quick picks today, I have three of them. Um, I'm actually going to start with the sell. I, I don't. I think I've only done this once before. Um, but we are at a sell right now for the Meat Hook Massacre. I'm calling any version. I'm calling you know EA regular your pre-release promo foil, non-foil, whatever. They're currently sitting at $40. Uh, some people have noticed that this card, including I, uh, I've noticed that this card just gotten bought up. Uh, the other day I was texting our group in the Discord and Tree made the funny comment, uh, not enough of this product's been open. And then I had to enlighten him that in the past three days, it was like, th- so on the 28th or whatever, 52 copies had sold. And the day before that, 90 copies got sold. And the day before that, another 50 copies got sold. So this has been very open. And for whatever reason, people have targeted this card. Um, I'm going to tell you, unless you 100% are going to use this in your paper draft, get rid of it. Because at $40, we know there's a ton of that supply out there. Um, I'm seeing this going down to $20, honestly, in six months or less. Um now, again, if you need this for your EDH deck, you're going to play paper standard and you know you're going to use this card absolutely 100%, then don't sell it. But if you're not going to use this card at all, don't sit on this card. There's no reason for it to be so expensive right now. And there's even a possibility that we might get it reprinted in the collaboration of the or the, the mixture cross, whatever you want to call it, of Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt that releases like in... Is it November or December whenever that's coming out? Whatever. First week of November. First week of November. So get out of this card, please. Uh, don't get stuck sitting on them. Uh, the next card, I don't know if I've ever done this before. Another another first. So Skull Pulling. Third week of November. Third week of November. My third, bad. Third week. Third week. Third week. Riata, Riata. <laughs> um, so Skullport Merchant. Yes, the uncommon that's two and a black for a 1-4, the ETB makes a treasure, and then you can sacrifice your treasures or creatures to draw a card. I'm talking about this card. I'm talking about it also in any form. And I'm talking about getting them at 20 cents, and I'm talking about getting a brick of them. So the reason why, normally I don't do this kind of MTG finance, if you will, but um, this card is a great sack outlet. I think people are kind of sleeping on it because of all the cool cards that we have, you know, currently right now. But, um, this for some reason reminds me of the, what's the one for pirate, um, Micah from Ixalan that when, a, when a creature dies, you make a treasure token. Um, you're looking it up. So you'll, you'll mm-hmm. line us here in a second. I get some weird vibes from like that card. And I'm not saying it's going to be like that card at $14, but what I'm saying at 20 cents, if you pick up, you know, a ton of these, like I said, it's a low investment here, pick up a ton of them. I think this will be a dollar card and you know what? It might even be a two to $3 card. I'm calling this in two years though. So you have plenty of time, but the reason why I'm bringing this up now is because there's so many in the market that you can actually pick up bricks of them. And what I mean by a brick is like a, you know, more than 10, 20 copies from a single vendor. Um, you can, at the worst, even if you can't sell them to people, you can buy less of them to CK or, you know, sorry, that's a uh, card kingdom or channel fireball or whoever. Well, not channel fireball anymore. Cause now they're, they're a marketplace, but basically places that have buy list, you know, if you got them at 20 cents and their buy list pickup is a dollar, then, you know, that's $20, right. Out of your, whatever investment that you made. So, um, like I said, calling this two years, so don't go running out, grabbing them now. Just keep it in the back burner. Um, and then vanishing versus my last card from Strixhaven. Um, I'm calling the EA version normal from three to $5. This card is just a solid removal card. I think this actually is a great commander card and has many applications outside of standard into modern as well. Maybe even legacy. I don't play that format, but it could be there as well. So three to five and six months, I'm saying. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, uh, you know, 
it just ends up being a really awesome card and it's a $10 card. But those are my quick picks for the, the week there, Mr. Micah. Um, ready to wrap it up? Um, I actually have a, one of my own. And the card you were thinking of was Pitiless Plunder, by the way. Ah, oh, thank you. But, wait, wait, you have a card? What? Yeah. All right. So before, when I was, I was like, like kind of like sound, uh, Costa's asking me for cards or whatever. And I was like, what about this one? And he's like, here, you say it. All right. So I was like, what about Reckless Storm Seeker? Uh, the card we talked about earlier, the three mana, two, three at the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gets plus one, plus one, gets haste until end of turn, and it's a werewolf. On the back, it is the same thing, except it's a three, four, gets plus two, plus so, and has trample and haste, but that's probably not going to be very pertinent for the purposes. Uh, there isn't a viable mono red deck that we talked about. We talked about goblins, but that was it, and that's not actually a very good deck. Uh, mm. If there is a mono red deck, this card's going to be a part of it. It's a on its own, it's a three mana three three with haste. It gives creatures to play after turn three haste. So, if there's a monoride deck in standard, this card's going to be uh, part of that. The regular versions are under a dollar. Uh, so, and I don't know how Costa determines like which one to get, but I'm just going to say pick up whatever of them. Uh, so, and it's just, oh, yeah, and it goes in my Atali deck, and I forgot I kind of want one now. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we were kind of talking about this. Of course, I wasn't that surprised um, after he... I was surprised that he actually found a good card because usually he kind of jokes around and tells me, like, you know, I don't know. Deluvian Primordial. <laughs> uh, basic Island, whatever, right? Yeah. But um, now this is actually a pretty solid pick. I, I, the play patterns on this card is, are really good. It's only seen right now in the Werewolves deck, but um, that doesn't mean that that card can't be in anything else. The fact that it's a basically a three mana three three essentially haster is really good, and it can turn any other creature into haster is really solid. Um, so what we're talking about off cast was what what version to go for, um, and when I told him its preference, you know, he kind of gave me the spiel about well, you know, if we're talking about a couple of cents, then what does it matter? But what I would like to point out, and when I'm looking at cards and what versions to point out. Most of the time, I'm talking from my preference, which is why you get EA non-foils. Um, EA is the the coolest version to me because I like the extended art on it. Um, it gives it kind of a premium uh, aesthetic to it. And they don't curl, so that's why I don't pick up foils. And for pr- purposes of tournament play, people also don't like curling because you, know, you get DQ'd in a tournament because you know some of your cards are sticking out which is kind of like cheating because you can see what cards are coming up etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's why i deal with eas and i we just haven't had enough data on the eas to where um it's hard to say how much of a difference in gain it is compared to the foils but the foils immediately drive a higher price in most of in most of the suns right so Looking at Werewolf Pack Leader, a card that I called not too long ago, um, the regular versions are at $5 and the EA versions are at $7. So it's a $2 spread. And so the reason why I point this out is because um, I, you know, again, I asked him, hey, what art do you like better? Because that also plays into, in this case, for people, whether or not they're going to want the regular base value version or the cool premium to it. Um I can see this card being something where right now you're getting it sub a dollar. I think we said like 90 cents was for the regular version. And right now that it's like a dollar 10 for the showcase version. If it plays out the same way as werewolf pack leader, then you're going to have to pay $2 extra for your showcase version. And so the question to you is, are you trying to maximize? Are you trying to play with it or for your personal use? And so that's how I kind of pick these cards a lot of times. And anytime it's a better looking version or whatever, it's just going to add a little bit more to that price. So if it's only a couple cents now difference, now it's better to get it now at the couple cent difference than the $2 difference when you're paying $4 extra for your play set. So um, anyways, just a little insight on that. I think that's a great pick. Um, so Micah said, if we're doing the base version under a dollar, I would think these get up to $3, um, three to $4. Uh, and then if you're getting the showcase version, a dollar and some change to four or five, um, I would expect this with rotation or sorry, not rotation, but with, uh, either Innistrad or the Kapenica set. That, is it the, you know, Kamigawa is after Innistrad, right? 
Yes. Okay. So um, I, I think there's going to be a mono red deck. They're going to, I think they're probably going to put it in our standard. Um, so you want to be ahead of the game here and get those uh, before they increase. So great call, Micah. That's a, that was a really good one, man. Um, and um, I've got a sell too. Um, the Innistrad black and white basic land. Sell them to me, please. Or <laughs> I very much appreciate it. Um, just hit me up on Twitter, MG on tap pod, and uh, we'll work something out. Uh, seeing them in person for the first time. Oh, they're so beautiful. I know. I've given you all of mine. <laughs> I, know, I, I appreciate that a lot, buddy. No problem. But that will do it for this. The 37th episode of the MTG untapped podcast. What did you think about what we talked about this week? Are you enjoying Innistrad Midnight Hunt draft and standard? Let us know on Twitter, MG Untapped Pod, or on Facebook, MG Untapped Podcast. And if you have any other ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about, shoot us an email at untappedmailbag at gmail.com. And if you'd please stop what you're doing, leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast, it would be very much appreciated. But that will do it for this edition of the MG Untapped Podcast. I have been the Micah signing off for Costa. We will talk to y'all next week. Later. Check out Juniors and Forceful Gaming. Bye. <laughs>